Well, hello and welcome to a rugby ruckus tight five. Ben Kimber here after what I think I say this every week lately, Walks. Another massive week in rugby in Australia. And we've got a massive show as well. We're not going to muck around with our preamble here. We've got a very important guest waiting in the green room. We've been waiting to talk to this guy. There's been plenty to go on that we want to talk to him about. But firstly, Morgan, how are you traveling, mate? You're out with your black side. We're going to cover that one after we talk to our guest. But, uh, Mox, that was an amazing game yesterday, amazing. Yeah, it was. Actually, uh, today, felt actually reflecting on the game, felt quite privileged to have been there for an historic moment in Test Rugby, uh, an historic moment for Argentinian rugby. Uh, so very lucky to have been there. And uh, I've never heard 9,000 um, spectators sound so loud. And actually, it was probably a couple of thousand of the Argentinian ones that were animating the stadium. It was an amazing atmosphere out there and great afternoon days footy. Although you brought me right back down because I'm not that happy with the profile pics you've put up. I know I know our <laughs> guest is very important when he gets the beautiful, proper profile pic and, and ours is terrible. He so. got the high definition, mate. He got the high yeah, definition. He, he looked sharp. Oh, I was worse than you. I was worse than you. Okay, very quickly for our, our listeners uh, or our viewers, I'm going to talk to Hamish McLennan, uh, the Rugby Australia Chair, in just a moment. We're going to talk about the Pumas game. We're going to talk about the standout players. Morgs, of course, does his coach's corner where he pulls out a play and talks through exactly what happened in the game that was formative for the game. We're also going to have a bit of Michael Hooper on the show after some of those interviews we reported, reported from when they were in quarantine. We've got hoops on today, so that's, uh, that's something to look forward to as well. But look, let's get straight into the show. Um, uh, uh, we've got... Hang on a second, I'll get my buttons right. I'll bring Hamish in now. Here he is, the chair of the Australian Rugby Union, or Rugby Australia. Hamish McLennan. Hamish, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Um, it was an amazing game last night, wasn't it? So it just shows anything can happen in rugby. Well, that's it, mate. And it feels like it's been that way for the last uh, couple of months. It must have felt like a bit of a wild ride for you in this job. You came in uh, a few months back now. How has it been in terms of what you expected and what you've seen happen while you've been in the position? Look, I, I think last week we really broke through. Uh, when I started officially on June 15, I was I was actually pretty concerned the whole game was going to collapse. So our finances were in pretty poor shape and morale was low. But, you know, Rob Clark and myself sort of knuckled down and decided that we were just going to do whatever it takes to succeed. So um, I, I think you all would have the broadcast deal that was announced last week with Nine and Stan. We ran a really fair process uh, set up a subcommittee, the board voted on it and unanimously um, endorsed the nine bid. And uh, I think that's put us in great shape for the future. So there's a free-to-air component. Um, and uh, I think that's really going to drive our commercial sponsorships. And then on the field, you know, we've been a little bit patchy, but I think we've got some great young talent there. I'm super impressed by Dave Rennie. I think he's an insane coach. And so he's really going to lift our guys over the next few years. So... All in all, I'm feeling a lot better now than I did three or four months ago. <laughs> well, mate, that's, that, that's, a, that's a very good start for us. Just tell me that that broadcast deal, it, it is so formative, that the talk pre-COVID and then during COVID was about that financial state of the game, was about, you know, how this game was going to move ahead. What put you over the top for the nine-stand deal? And can you give us a bit of a view on the, the components that make up the rugby Australia income? There's talk about the overseas components still to come and what the game needs to survive, how much of the job is done? Yeah, look, I won't go into the commercial details. So this is just the domestic component. Um, and look, I'll say up front too that Fox and News Corp have been fantastic partners for 25 years. 
Um, look, the, the most important element really to focus in on is that uh, we've got that free-to-air coverage. So um, at, at sort of a shoot, shield, hospital, cup uh, level, there'll be some of those games on free-to-air. We're going to have the backing of nine for the Wallabies of the tests, and then we've got uh, Super Rugby for the first time on free-to-air. And if, if, uh, if that doesn't drive people to the games and our commercial sponsorships, I'll really be surprised. What I'm already hearing and seeing is that at a club level, there are a lot of sponsors who are saying, you know, that they weren't thinking of renewing or they were trying to understand the value of where we were last year. Now they understand the Freddie Ware component um, more and more are willing to sign up and sign up at a higher rate. So that can only help the finances of the game. But while you can't go into details, can you tell us like how far along the path you are? You clearly would have had milestones you wanted to hit. This is one of them and an important one. How much more is there to do on that financial side to get us there? Oh, there's there's a lot to do and it'll take years. So that's why we've looked at the Rugby World Cup as just a light on the heel in seven years' time for us to sort of focus in on. We've got $8.8 million from the government, which is fantastic to fund that bid. Um Getting, getting the game on free to air will be important in terms of getting more kids exposed to the game, so that'll fuel our grassroots strategy. Um, we, we've literally, and as painful as it is to say, we've had to downsize or cut RA in, in half, and so we've let a lot of cost and a lot of people go, which is, as I said, difficult but necessary, so we're a smaller, limber, nimbler, more focused organisation. Now that we've got broadcast sorted, we can then focus on... Um, gate receipts, commercial relationships, sponsors, um, and driving the overall finances of the game. But we couldn't have moved forward unless we, we achieved what we did last week. Uh, like, obviously, you know, having to cut back, having to restructure and things like that, some of the harder things that you needed to do are done, though? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of the structural stuff has been done. I mean, I, I think there's sort of an inverse relationship where if you strip out the bureaucracy, then those that are left are really focused uh, on the job at hand and there's, you know, there's there's no time to think about anything else other than to focus on the job that you've got in front. Um, the, the very fact that we picked up the Tri-Nations or the TRC as it was too, you know, has, has occupied a lot of our staff. Now we're seeing a great event unfold. So who would have thought that the Argentinians would have been the All Blacks? So um, I think we'll see an uptick. <laughs> Not me. In, yeah, exactly. Me too. And... Uh, you know, for the ne next few games, we're going to see more tickets sold. It's going to be a really interesting contest and the Wallabies actually um, have a real shot of taking it out now. Hamish, I, I've got a sort of an interesting angle that I've been talking with Morgan on the show about uh, a lot previously. Um, and, and it was that in some ways, while COVID has been uh, a big blow for sport and hard for the game, there have been some upsides of what has happened to the game because of it. And what I mean by that is the opportunity to reset that structure. When I look now, and I have to declare, I joined Stan this week, by the way, and most of the listeners know that I talked about it last week. So I, mm. I've obviously, uh, I have a, a hand in the game now. But but when I look at the, the, the roster of games and the structure that you have uh, together next year with Super AU into Trans-Tasman, it looks like, you know, some of the things that people say wasn't working about Super 18 and, and you know, the, the growth in Super have been able to be fixed because of this issue. Is is, is that a, is that the silver lining in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good way of putting it. We we were faced with some pretty tough decisions and also coupled at the time. It was almost a perfect storm of um, negativity that we were dealing with. But the, the great thing that's 
happened, I think, since COVID hit was that, and it's not just me, but it's Rob Clark and it's the rest of the RA staff. But we just dug in and said, we're not going to, you know, t- take any stuff from the Kiwis. You know, we want to protect our five teams. We want to make sure that we've got um, the players protected, that we uh, got really focused on just managing every dollar. I mean, we're going to lose a fortune this year. I won't say the actual number, but the very fact that we've been able to work our way through all those issues, restructure RA, get focused on what really matters and then pull off the broadcast deal means that, you know, we will survive. And Hamish, how are how are the relationships? I'll, I'll just ask you, a, you know, a fairly uh, direct question on on this one. Uh, do, do Rob Clark and um, Mark Robertson do they like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain? I mean, <laughs> is there a is there a special relationship now? You've been quite out there about saying you know it was challenging for a while. What's what's the deal now? How are we getting on with our partners? Uh, we're getting on a lot better. But look, they they the Kiwis you know, sent to us pretty much as two or three teams in a comp that they owned uh, for next year. And the fact that we've ended up with five and five is a tribute to all involved. And I'm really pleased that we were able to protect our, our structures. Um, you know, we, we had a good night with Mark, so we broke bread last uh, last Wednesday night. That that photograph is is one one for the ages, too. I don't think Clarkie <laughs> and Robert will ever live that down to, to, to alpha males walking without shoes on the on Manly Beach, but it's pretty funny. But look, you know, Mark Robinson, he's a good bloke. And so uh, we're talking more with those guys, but they did back us into a corner. And, you know, I don't apologise for the things that we said and the actions that we took. Absolutely. Morgs, I know that you had some questions around um, some of those global uh, c- uh, connections that we've got. Um, you know, we very much talked about that that Trans-Tasman and getting it right here, but Morgs, you had some thoughts around there? Yeah, I suppose also in line with with New Zealand announcing that they're, they're talking to some Pacific teams. Where does our future lie? Are we 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 trying to have a, a broad Asia Pacific presence. Where's the the next step post Trans Tasman? Is is it Japan? Is it Indo Asia? And and what does our relationship with with South Africa look like going forward? So so great question. I guess that's that's the sixty four thousand dollar question at the moment. So. Uh, in terms of steps, we've locked down Trans-Tasman for, for next year, which is good, and that will roll into 2022. I think we've got to do more with Fiji and Pacifica. You know, it's it's our backyard. You know, we've got so many great island players and they're, they're such a force within our game, within this region and globally now. So uh, I, I just think it makes sense for us to do it and it's the right thing to do. Uh, we're debating with New Zealand where a Pacifica team is housed. I'm not quite sure how that will work yet, just knowing the complexities of the cultures. Um, you know, do you have one Fijian team? Do you have a Pacifica team? I don't know. But but I'd I'd like to house um, a, a team out in Western Sydney, and I think that just makes so much sense. Ultimately, you have to look north, and if you think of our time zone, then uh, it would be great to be able to fit a Japanese team in, and I think that will drive some big dollars in terms of uh, media rights. Um, but to your earlier part of the question around South Africa, they've committed, thankfully, for another 10 years to the TRC, which is great. So I think we get the best of the Southern Hemisphere and we can build on that. Hamish, is there is there is there much more, though? It appears to be that there's much more to play out in the international game, when we look at the talk around private equity and we look at the way that, uh, that the Autumn Championship has been set up up north at the moment with the likes of Fiji and others involved, the constant rumours, despite South Africa's announcement about 10 years, the constant rumours linking them up north, is it still tech, is there still shifting plates out there that we're going to have to navigate our way through as a game? 
Well, look, it, always, but that that will always be the case. So in five years' time or ten years' time, will be new issues that we, we're going to have to deal with. Uh, South Africa are rumoured to be talking to CVC about a private equity deal. They are going to send some uh, teams north. I, I think from a scheduling perspective, it'd be mad, they'd be mad to walk away from what we've got here at the moment. And I'm comfortable that if, you know, we can house our relationship with them at the TRC level and then have a trans-Tasman competition, that's a pretty good outcome given where we're at. And I think most rugby experts were saying that super rugby in the Southern Hemisphere wasn't quite working. So for however we, we got here, I think Trans-Tasman is better for us. And what about on the domestic front, mate? There's a, we always get questions about NRC and other things. I can see Ed, Eden van der Kallen has asked about a proposed Australian club competition. Are there more things on the plate? We've seen that Super AU come out. We've seen Trans-Tasman. Are there more things that you want to see or do in the domestic game as well? I, I think we've got to save the seeds of what we've already got, um, being, you know, the Shield Hospital Cup, uh, the, the franchises around Super Rugby, and then obviously the Wallabies, and then grassroots below the Shoot Shield. Um, you know, having said that, there's there's a lot of sort of equity in the NRC, and that's something that Clarkie and Nine and Stan will just have to get to in the next couple of months. But in principle, what we've got is a, a framework that we can afford and run against, and then we'll... We'll see how the uh, NRC sort of pans out the rest of this year. But I'll just take another question from the crowd. Mark Hogan on Facebook has got one here. What a question about the State of Union. Is that confirmed for 2022 or are there other formats that you'd be considered, such as a, an all-star style match where fans could invoke, could vote for players? Have you thought about different formats in that regard and, and, and what are you thinking on the State of Union idea? Yeah, so, so part of our agreement with Nine and Stan is that we'll explore that. So it's sort of in the schedule for 2022. We we all agreed that uh, it, it's going to be a big year next year to pull off what we've got. So we want to bed the competition in as it is and then look at those other assets or franchises that we can develop. So they, um, you know, it's, it's, in, it's in the box of what we've agreed. Uh, we may choose next year once we get into the competition to reformat it, change it, uh, or take up other ideas. But I think it's been a Herculean task just to pull off what we've got. So, um, you know, at the moment, it's it's looking good with Nine and Stan. So we will develop, in due course, a franchise like that. I particularly like State of the Union because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a concept that everyone understands and we actually invented it before League took a hold of it. And I, I've said it's sort of shame on us that we've had this great heritage and history that we haven't mm. exploited. And I think we've got to find ways of commercialising our game. Did you see Matt Tamur and some of your players suggesting the idea of a uh, Pacific team? Yeah, yeah, I've heard all of that. So, look, you know, but they're, they're good ideas. Now we've got a platform for us to invest in the game in that regard. So, well, you know, I don't care where, where the good ideas come from so long as they, they come our way and then we'll discuss them. Excellent. Look, I think we've taken enough of your time, Hamish. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I'll throw one up here. I think you're doing. I think you're doing well with Australian rugby fans. Uh, there's there's plenty out there who like what they're seeing uh, coming into the game now. We like that it's it's moving ahead when we were so worried about earlier in the year. Any final thoughts on the next couple of months ahead? Obviously, going into the Christmas period and coming into next year. No, look, just uh, thank all the viewers and the people who are listening here tonight because you guys are the heartland of, of the game and it's a really passionate group of people. So the thing with rugby, you know, we are distinct and different from, from every other sport and I think we've hit our light under a bushel for too long and so now I feel like we're, 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 we're coming of age a little bit. So it's going to be really exciting. So thank you guys for what you do and uh, look forward to talking soon. 
Well, mate, as, a, as an old journo, I, I, I love the fact that you've always got something to say and it gets us talking. We need people talking about the game. So thank you very much and we wish you all the best. Pleasure. Thank you, mate. Bye. Cheers. Morgs, as I, as I said, as we finished off, uh, it is something I've said repeatedly on this show, how important it is for the game to be talked about. And I love the fact that Hamish gets out there and he's always got a line. He's always got something being said. You know, we talk about Eddie Jones, the coach, and how important Eddie's, the way that he sells the game is. I think Hamish has done a lot of that, that here, taking on some of the, the, the conversations that I think too often get hidden, you know, talking about that New Zealand relationship and others. You found him refreshing? Yeah, I have. And just little key indicators, even the, the, the end of the relationship with Qantas and the end of the relationship with Foxtel, the, the, you know, the, the the narrative around finishing 25 years with a, with a broadcast partner could have could have ended up in the gutter, but I thought it was there was all class uh, from Rugby Australia. Little things like that, um, I think, speak volumes of what's happening. It's good to see a leader come in as a bit of a follow me figure and then start to put structures and people in place where that he can he can trust the people around him more and more. In essence, he's been our off-field Pablo Matera. He stood up to New Zealand, you know, in, in almost the same fashion, but, but in the boardroom. Respect. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The, uh, in the boardroom. And uh, I think people are resonating with the fact he's a leader. He's been quite clear about, you know, trying to push for five teams, trying to, to push to put Australian um, interests to the forefront going hard for 2027 World Cup and putting people in place for that. Uh, I think there's a clear vision how the nuts and bolts of the work to getting there, uh, you know, the devil will be in that detail. So looking forward to what comes next. There is there is optimism around the game. It's been great to have the Tri-Nations in Australia. You know, the world of rugby now looks to Newcastle for two weeks where the Wallabies in Argentina play to see who sits in the box seat to win the Tri-Nations and then New Zealand get an opportunity for revenge against Argentina. Who who would have penciled in November 28 at Newcastle, Argentina versus All Blacks as, as pretty much the centre of, of, of the rugby universe that weekend? Yes, mate. Now let's get into the game in a second. I want to make one Hang more on, point. I, I want to interrupt you first. He said Please. that that the NRC will come down to their dealings with Nine and Stan. In essence, I reckon he said it's up to you. The fate of the NRC is in your hands, Benny. So if there's no NRC but, uh, next uh, year, you'll be in trouble. Matt, I'm thoroughly enjoying you, you vastly fans. overstating my power. I'm enjoying yeah. you vastly overstating my power, mate. That's fantastic. I really do appreciate that. Now, the point I was going to make about the conversation with Hamish was that, you know, I, I can't I, I can't really underplay, I think, the 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 question I asked him around, around the future state of the game. Like, we've been given this chance in COVID to get rid of super, to structure what we have now, and a loving look at that. I think the perfect setup for Australian rugby, building back with young guys, is that super AU into that trans-Tasman, into the international season. But the fascinating thing is going to be the way the global game moves. We, we were looking for a global calendar for a long time. The reason that we talk about private equity, the reason that people want to know what's going on in investment is private equity will want to get involved because there's opportunity. And the opportunity in the game is when all of these different elements around the world can actually get aligned. So that's what I'm going to be keen to see happen uh, with, with Hamish and Australian rugby over the next year or so. Um, and, of course, Morgzy, you know, you tell me I'm running the show, so I'll, I'll, I'll fix it all, clearly. Uh, mate, let's, uh, let's get into the game. Uh, how can we not? How can we not get into the game? Un like, mate, I've been watching, covering rugby for forever now. That is one of those games that will be talked about for a very long time, Morgs. You were there. What was it like? Uh, well, it was. It was. It was funny. It was. It was a really calm start to the game. Everyone thought, oh, you know, Argentina will come out no. hard, and then no, New Morgs, Zealand. Let me just let me just pause you for a sec. Some of the guys were complaining about my mic. 
I'm going to try and change that, fix that while you're talking. So just okay. um, if you if I if you want for some funny noises, just go for it, mate. But please, yeah. how was the game? Okay, yeah. So it was actually everyone thought, oh, here we go. You know, New Zealand, Argentina will start fast. New Zealand will come over the top and they'll get there. And then Argentina came out and defended a little bit different to normally. Uh, they they got off the line. They tried to get two men in every tackle. They they targeted a little bit higher, which is risky, as we saw from the week before in terms of the tackle law. But they targeted right around the torso with both tacklers uh, as much as they could. They chopped only when they had to. Then they had pressure on ball. They tried. They went for dominant tackles. They tried to plug the break, break down and roll away efficiently and just slowed the ball down for the All Blacks. And the All Blacks got more and more frustrated. And many times we've talked about scoreboard pressure, Benny, on this show. And that's when it turned on the All Blacks, the pressure to win. Uh, you know, we talk about the, the, you know, the All Blacks love talking about the blue head that they miraculously discovered and worked through and had between 2007 and 2011. Well, what we saw was a fair few guys with the red head on. And Dane Coles, I think, was a perfect example of that. An absolutely outstanding player who, who just crossed the line into the red zone in terms of ill-discipline and frustration. And in the end, Argentina were just too good. Accumulated points, scoreboard pressure, and, and and that was not just about passion and pride in the jersey, but tactically and technically the way they executed their game plan. You just need to stand and applaud both the passion and the sheer quality rugby they put on the park. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It was, mate. And I'll just say that uh, thanks to a couple of guys like Patrick FJ. They've told me my mic is okay now. You can hear me, Morgs, yeah? Yeah, good. I don't complain yeah. when I can't hear you. Don't worry. <laughs> no, look, mate, you're absolutely right, and 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 to see to see the impact it had. Like, I think I tweeted about this, and some of the biggest tweets I've ever had got reshared and shared. I just said something like, "This this is a life moment for these guys." And you saw you saw Ledesma in the coach's box. That fantastic footage of him just taking a moment as the as the game ticked down when they realised they they had it that the game was done, and he, the tears came. And I think one of the things that that is really noticeable is that is that too often people get stuck in cliches, and they'll talk about. Argentina and they'll talk about their passion you know oh, they were so passionate but it's so much more than that right that is that is the cliche this was a team who came and they really knew what they wanted to do and they executed it absolutely beautifully and the fact that they did that with the preparation they had is astonishing it is absolutely astonishing I also said on Twitter I think that you know you can see a little bit of the Michael Checker influence this is absolutely Ledesma's team absolutely the Argentinian uh, achievements but he had Checker there as a, an advisor and you could see, I think, a bit of that influence, particularly when Matera at the start of the game was talking about respect. A few minutes in, a bit of push and shove. Gardner says to him, I need you to lead, show some leadership, Captain. And Matera said, I, you know, I play for my country. You know, I need to get respect. We need to get respect. I really feel like they went in there with that feeling of the All Blacks don't rate you. You know, Checker could have had up the the, the odds, the way that these guys talk. But they the, the respect they did get is a full-strength All Blacks side. And what we saw, Morgs, was a team, as you and I talked about, despite the All Blacks win in Game 2, despite the way they win in Game 3, an All Blacks side which does not quite look as solid, as hot, as previous All Blacks sides are. Now, that's that's uncontestable now after back-to-back, surely. Yeah, it is, but I don't think we get carried away with this. The, the margin between winning and losing is not huge. And this is a quality All Blacks team. But they were outthought outwitted, they were outplayed, they were outmaneuvered, they were outpressured, and they were out enthused. And, and and I think the biggest point you make there is that it would be disrespectful to say to the Argentina, oh what a what a passionate victory or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Their, their game plan, their tactical approach to the way they defended the All Blacks, created frustration with the All Blacks, made the All Blacks chase them. You know, that, that early try, the chip over the top and the try to Sanchez, that was crucial to go to a 10-3. Another chip, mate. Another chip. There we go. Hey? And, and, and truthfully, we talked was, about it. Yeah, the, the space is there, but you, you do need to get a couple of nice bounces. That's two weeks in a row. There's a couple <laughs> of nice bounces. But that's what the kick's about. That's what the kick's yeah. about. If if you if it's a 60-40 or a 70-30 kick, why not go for it? And, you know, and, and you talk about leaving points out there. Um, it's Argentina who left points out there. The great covering tackle from Aaron Smith saved the try in the left corner. They probably could have gone for a try with a pushover scrum. Um and ended up with a yellow card double jeopardy instead of taking the three points. But they knew that scoreboard pressure was huge. Um, you know, the question from Jason. Look, look, as the All Blacks continue to evolve, teams will keep chasing them. At the moment, we haven't seen the All Blacks make that quantum leap and evolve their game for a couple of years. They've just been very, very good at what they're doing. So this is, this is the challenge now for Ian Fossett. It cannot be, oh, okay, I'll just roll out the same again. Because the great thing about the All Blacks previously was they were happy to share information. They were happy to share information with foreign coaches and things like that because they'd already moved on to the next thing. So while we were learning to how to play two four two phase attack, they were already on to the next thing. So you're you're always just chasing behind on what they've already done, and they're continuing to move and evolve and innovate in the game. And I, I haven't seen innovation, new things, an evolution in the way they play the game from the All Blacks. Uh, and, and that'll be the next step for them. That'll be the making of Ian Foster, when he can, whether he can get this team to evolve and what he does with some of the players that are in inverted commas style, which I think is a huge overreaction. This All Blacks team, they played their hearts out. I was watching them. They came with intensity. They lost a little bit of discipline and they were frustrated. But that was just because Argentina did that to them. So I don't think the the hyperbole coming out, out of New Zealand because they're just not used to losing. Try being a Wallaby supporter. Mm. You know what I mean? So just, I suppose, calm across the Tasman is required. These are excellent rugby players. And and the fact that they're excellent rugby players, this All Blacks team, it, it just underlines how good, how good Argentina played, how well they played. It was brilliant. Mate, Andrew Swain just there saying how good it was. We heard Swainy calling that game on the weekend. He's, a, he's an excellent caller and it was great to hear. Um I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a name because I think the All Blacks will be saying, where the hell is Brodie Retallick? I mean, that forward pack is just not as effective this year as they have been in the past. You know, Sam Whitelock's the partners have come in two or below two, uh, um, uh, Barrett in the second row. Satutu and Frizzell haven't had quite the impact we've seen. They just, you know, Artie Severe, if I said Artie Severe and Kane on the field at the same time, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a fan of, I don't think that's the right approach, but they just haven't quite had the punch. And particularly, as you said, the way the Argies worked them out or worked out a way to take them on, the forward pack isn't getting there. You know, I don't think there's a lot of problem with the backs other than Rico Uwadi, I think, keeps uh, keeps looking like he drops the ball at key times, which, which is great for those of us in opposition to him. But really, I think it starts and ends in the forwards for them. And Brody Retallick is, to me, one of the best players in the world, and they miss him sorely. You know, I think him coming in and out of that all-black side over time has always shown how important that guy is. And he's a guy that just – his name really came up for me this week and was someone I really thought about. Yeah, in terms of balance in, in, in that locking position, it, he allows Whitelock just to do what he does. And they're very complimentary and they haven't found that yet. And Rico Ioane, I think you've stumbled upon a huge issue for the All Blacks there. He came off the bench and actually played on the, at 13. And Leonard Brown spent some time on the wing. Mm. And then eventually Leonard Brown went off and, and um, Mackenzie came on on the wing. But Ioane, at test level, is not a 13 yet. 
He may well be soon. He had an excellent season with the Blues. He's developing as a 13. We saw how good he was early days as a winger. He is not an international 13 yet. Um, and, and at crucial moments in attack and defence, there's little errors that are costing games. And that's, that's the margin in Test footy. That's how close the margin is. Three moments, three errors, game over. That's it. And Rico Ioane is just involved in a couple of those at, at the moment in every test match. And, and that'll be that, and that's also the key to being an All Blacks coach. More than anything, is, being, is selecting well. When the All Blacks mm. coaches, Steve Hansen included, probably made selection errors in that semi-final against England, selection errors are the big thing that cost New Zealand teams, not the coaching. Uh, and that'll mm. be important. You've hit the nail on the head with the balance of that forward pack. You know, the front row, mm. they're rotating those players through. That's fine. But that back five, what is their best combination? They definitely don't know. But that that is really the case. And look, as as a as a Wallabies fan, please keep trying new centre combinations and moving blokes in and out because you know I think that's fantastic. And Ian Foster, mate, just quietly, um, you might want to pay Benny Darwin to, to talk to you about cohesion. But I'll tell you what he'll say to you right now. He'll just say, "Pick the Crusaders." That's, that's all Benny Darwin would say. Pick fifteen Crusaders in your starting lineup, Ian, and away you go. Uh, Morgs, let's talk about the best players in the game and talk about just not seeing this coming. When we went, when we went through an All Blacks Argentina test, where the All Blacks started the game, I think at a buck zero three for the punters out there, we went and we we named five guys from the Argentinian side. Morgs, uh, Pablo Matera. There was a great tweet that went around of him watching the uh, the opposition Harker watching the All Black Harker, and I can't remember the name of the guy who tweeted it, but he said something like, "Matera watches the Harker the way I look at a rotisserie chicken." And there was just this view, there was this look on Madeira's face of, of sort of, you know, salivating delight that just, it was a beautiful, funny tweet. But Matera, from that to the give me respect, to the look on his face when he stole that ball towards the end, when he got over the pill right in that last couple of minutes there, and he stood up with the ball and he held the ball to his chest and he just stared around as if, you know, I have done you guys, I have done you and you will not get this ball back off me. Talk me through the guys we have up here, Morgs. Yeah, well, uh, interesting you say that about Pablo Matera. When they were warming up, I actually thought they looked physically imposing. So, you know, I saw, I've saw the, I've saw the other great tweet of, of the last couple of days was the video that the the Puma Social came up with about the the little mm. video story about their lockdown period. They're definitely doing their guns and their beach weights. You know, they looked massive. It was like you know when you're a kid and you're playing under 14s and you're warming up and you look on the other half of the field and you go. Geez, they look big down there. There's no way those kids are under 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it was Mate, like I went that. To City Boys High. I went to City Boys High. We, every, everyone was a monster compared to us. Yeah, that was like that in chess at Sydney High. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, and they backed it up. Kremer was was as good a, a performance as any. Just a couple of penalties, a little bit of ill discipline compared to Matera and Bruni. They were absolutely outstanding. We talked about the physicality in defence. We talked about plugging the ball and challenging for the ball and, and frustrating the All Blacks. Those two were right at the heart of it. Kubeli was a little generally. He, he stepped into the front line a couple of times defensively. That'll be a, a something that the Wallabies need to find. They need to find Thomas Kubeli when he's in the defensive line. The All Blacks did it, I think, twice in the game. That's when they had two of their best games carries, but make him work, get him on the ground, get him working in the tough stuff. He loves it, but it just ties him out, and, and that is there's more chance of a passive tackle running down his channel. Chocobari's in the midfield, that, on the boo. Like, how good was he? Absolutely outstanding. Um, he, he, was, he was good in attack, rock solid in defence, couple of nice touches, good feet. Uh, I thought that was as good. Imagine making your test of boo that way, being the All Blacks mm. for the first game. And, and 
Sanchez, 25 points. Uh, you know, it's like the old headline, Burke. Burke I think it was Burke, 18, All Blacks, 11 or something like that. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, it's Sanchez, 25, All Blacks, 15. Uh, this, uh, the, and, and I couldn't, I could not find a spot for an All Black player. That's about as good yeah. a compliment as we can give this Argentine team. And, and uh, you know, Matera probably in terms of, of some of the footy he played was, he's unlucky not to be player of the match. But when you are the sole point scorer in your team's 25 to 15 victory over the best team, the best sporting team in the history of world sport, and it's the first time your country's ever beaten them, that's got to be good enough to be player of the match. The other, you know, they win the penalties, they still got to be kicked. And there are a couple of kicks, you know, there was one on, on halfway, I reckon, uh, and it just he knocked it straight over. That that was crucial. When I talk about scoreboard pressure, Benny, and increasing frustration and, and the shift in pressure on the All Blacks as that margin on on the scoreboard continues to increase when the pressure is, is, is really, really starting to weigh down on the All Blacks to bridge that gap with their expectation of winning. His role in doing that as a goal kicker, you know, you know he's, you blame the goal kicker when you lose games, and you and you and you uh, celebrate them when they win. He that was a crucial part of the game for Argentina to keep that scoreboard ticking over and to get fruit for their labours. Nicolas Sanchez, most influential player in the park, player of the match in an historic Test match for Argentinian rugby. It certainly was, mate. And, and a, a, a question from the crowd here. Let me just see where it was. Uh, Jason's asked, you know, the question that that sticks in my mind: Can they back that up? I mean, they played outstanding footy. Uh, was it a check rev up special? I think it was a bit more than that. But there's always that that chance that teams go hard, go high, and come off an emotional win like that and don't keep it together the next week. I know the Wallabies will be hoping they're a little bit flatter than they were there because they were outstanding. Yeah, I addressed this in our newsletter, Benny, that will go out uh, tonight. Uh, yeah. Off such an emotional high, you know, they've got a 45-man squad out here, Argentina. The loudest supporters and chanters and singers in the grandstand in the last 20 minutes were their non-playing squad. I've never seen anything like it. They were the ones that brought the ambience to the stadium. It was absolutely amazing. So the whole squad, not just not just the guys out in the field, had this huge emotional high. And I'm sure they celebrated long into the night and they were on the phone back to you know their families and everything in Argentina and, the, and all those sorts of things. And then when they come back down, when they review, when they reset and refocus, this will be a tougher week this week for Mario Ledesma to get his team to come back down off that emotional high, not bottom out, refocus, and get back up for a really important test match this week. We've seen it. You know, I think England were flat after beating the All Blacks in the semi. I know Japan were very flat after beating South Africa in that World Cup. Games like that, you know, the Wallabies win over uh, over New Zealand in Perth last year. I th- you know, New Zealand was it was a definite reaction, but I thought Australia was flat as well. Very hard to back up a, a peak performance, an out of the box performance with consistency. That if they can. That means that this, they are, this Argentinian team are the real deal. And mate, one more question from the crowd uh, from our, our mate uh, Donald the Golden Eagle. I think is in Canada. He's a great man, Don. Should Fozzie go now? Ian Foster has been, of course, it's the New Zealand media when the All Blacks lose. He has been copying it. Now Foster came out and he was asked, "Do you feel under pressure? What is he five games in?" Uh, you know, back-to-back losses for the first time since 2011. You've got to remember that in 2011 when they lost twice to South Africa and then the Wallabies, they went on to win the World Cup that year. So you can bounce back from losses. But Foster was asked that, um, do you feel under pressure? And he answered, he, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, basically no. But Morgs, look, I ran, it, I ran it through the bullshit meter, mate. And look at that, right off the charts, red oh, as they not- come, <laughs> red as they come. 
He's got to feel under pressure, mate. He has got to feel under pressure. Mate, when you're the All Blacks coach, you're under pressure when you're winning because you're not winning well <laughs> enough or you're not blooding enough young players. You're under pressure anyway. So when you've lost two in a row, you're under pressure. Now, the best thing that New Zealand could do for Australian rugby is to sack their coach. Bring another coach in and sack him. Bring another one in. But yeah. the truth of the matter is there is no way Foster should be sacked or even talked about. He's inherited this squad. Give him some time to put his own accent. He can, he can make some hard decisions about the, the test future of some players. There are already some that are, that are heading overseas at the end of this year, and those plans are all in place. There is a natural regeneration at the end of a World Cup. New Zealand probably haven't had a huge amount of regeneration after a World Cup as in past years. I think definitely you give him next year to look at Super Rugby RTRI, look at the Trans-Tasman and just start to build his own squad, put his own fingerprints on this All Blacks team. At the moment, they're just playing exactly the same as they played previously. Well, mate, let's look at some of the things that Ian Foster will need to look at. Let's go to Coach's Corner. We've got one clip that you want to run through. Shall I start playing it, bud? Yeah, I'll just talk over it as it goes because it's pretty much a theme. So New Zealand, uh, one of the first plays they get in the game is a line-out and they actually get really good go-forward ball. That's exactly how New Zealand want to start. Moanga, great carry, fast ball over the game. line. Argentina are in trouble here. What they do is they just start to get their line integrity right after two phases because they were able to slow the ball down there. And see that? Two men in a tackle, two above the waist. They're trying to go a bit higher. That one's quite high. That one's trying to lock up the ball. This one's an even better one. Two men in that tackle, bang, trying to get in there, plug that ball, slow the ball down, roll away. This one even more. This is exactly what they're looking for. Step in, two in that high tackle in the torso, even Sanchez involved. And then they keep moving forward. So the New Zealand team want to offload past the gain line. Here they're offloading behind the gain line, and Argentina are still playing a north-south game. They're still coming forward. Okay, what they do really well is get back to their feet, get in the line, and they just keep looking for two-man tackles. Two-man tackles. There it is. Slow ball. He lands on the wrong side. Then he works hard to roll away, which is exactly what Gardner wants him to do. And after eight phases, thinking about where that line-out starts, the greatest compliment to Argentina's defence there is, we've got nothing. Put it down the field. Yeah. Like how often will the All Blacks do that point, in the attacking 50? I couldn't see who it was in the tackle with Sanchez, but it wasn't. this wasn't you know the back row or the forwards that were doing this. This was every single player in the line is it the 10 and the 12 there or the 10 and the 2? I think it's Chocobaras and, and Sanchez together. Yeah, there you go. It's the 10 and the 12. Yeah. So it's yeah. right across right across the park. Um, every single player knows the setup, knows the integrity of the line, and they're up there hitting those guys high and driving them back. Good pickup, Morgs. Yeah, well, they're just consistently doing it. I saw a little bit of it against the, the second game of the Australian Invitational team, and I was really interested to see it. Look, truthfully... They tackle a little bit like league. He's going for the ball high. But I found it really interesting considering two red cards last week because if you get that wrong, it's easy to slide up. But it was a brilliant way of them slowing the ball down. Even the way Angus Gardner was forced to referee the game, they made dominant tackles, which meant they ended up on top of the All Blacks players, which means you get a second to make an effort to roll away. And Angus Gardner was even complimenting the Pumas players and saying, thank you, oh, good effort to roll away and things like that. That was a clear tactic. Very, It worked very well. It gave the All Blacks stagnant ball and really didn't give them the offloads they wanted. Think back to that first phase. That's exactly how New Zealand want to start their attacking sequence. And not many teams can, can arrest that momentum. Well, Argentina did that brilliantly well. And they didn't just do it in the first five minutes. They did it for 80 minutes. Absolutely mm. outstanding defensive display. Uh, ben on uh, Facebook says, what about the BS on SA saying they need to have 500 minutes of lead-up rugby? I called it weeks ago. I think you've got to like you've got to be saying about South Africa 
that appreciate whatever situation they were in. But the, the talk about player welfare, Argentina have just shot complete holes in that. The fact that they said, you know, we couldn't get there and feel comfortable that we prepare for test rugby. Argentina have just had the most fraction, and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably making some historical uh, uh, statements here that are, that are over the top, not knowing how blokes used to travel on cruise ships for two months to get to England in the past, but surely one of the, the most fractured, at least in the modern game, preparations ever for a test match and put in a performance for the ages. So the suggestion that you can't go well fresh, Morgs, if you can't, you know, first up, uh, perform well, Argies have just shot it to pieces in South Africa for all their talk of saying, you know, oh, you know we couldn't possibly do it. They don't, you know, it doesn't look great now, does it? Well, the only thing missing was the orchestrated betting plunge on the first up runner, but they were they were impressive, and that's the thing. Like, hey, look, look, there, there are other things at play there. They, I think, they had the support of SuperSport, their broadcast partner. They said they'd look after them. They didn't want to risk, you know, their name as the world world champions. They've got the Lions series coming up. All these sorts of things that aren't really about playing the game of footy. I'm surprised they didn't need the money. I'm surprised they didn't want to play footy. They talked about the health and safety of their players. You come into the two countries with the least amount of COVID issues in the world. So you want to get that meter out again? It probably deserves to get out. Now, I'll actually engage with with you, mate. What's the name of that South African journalist we had on uh, previously? Uh, Engage with him on Twitter and a few other blokes. And I I genuinely want to know, what do you think the real reasons are? And, and, And a few people over there had had genuinely bought the idea about player welfare. Um, and look, it, it's an easy one to hide behind. It's the perfect one because you play that joker, you can't beat the player welfare card no matter what you talk about. And, and it's a valid card to play. But Argentina somehow have got a stronger card than the joker and they played it. Man, I think I've got to get uh, got to get Sim back on the show because I butchered his name so badly when I had him on the podcast. It's Arbanissa. is actually the way you say Sam. I've been practicing, so I'm, I'm there now. So I need to get Sim back. But yes, mate, South Africa. They should have been here, and we would have had an even bigger. Imagine the double headers we'd have had. Imagine, oh. imagine New Zealand. Imagine the Argies beating New Zealand heading into a Wallaby South Africa game. The 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 epic event that would have been. Uh, Morgs, look, we're going to go now just uh, to. Um, uh, uh, quick quarantine questions or Q, what did you call it? Q cube, you wanted to call Q-cubed. it? Q cube. Q cube, there you go. Uh, we'll do that now. Uh, it's, a, it's a quick four minutes with Michael Hooper. We had the questions with him uh, before the, the test match series kicked off. So it's more, you know, understanding a bit more about Hooper. And of course, you you get his KFC order, mate. You, you, you appear to be heading for a job in fast food. Um, and then we're going to come back and close off with a few more chats. And when we do come back, I just want to pay tribute to a, to a good mate of mine who passed away this week. Uh, Greg Ground, who's everyone would know his name if you're in rugby in Australia. We'll talk about him after this as well, and I'll uh, I'll try not to get uh, uh, to not to lose it as I talk about it because I, I I miss the big fella. But let's go let's go to quick quarantine questions, and we'll come back. Thanks, Hoops, for jumping on. No no worries, Morgs. Good to be here. When you get into that change room, is there a few guys that get get the energy going? Do you let the few the few young blokes get going, or do you feel like you've got to bring the energy to the change room and fire blokes up? Uh, it's no, it's, I, I think it's, um, important that it's shared, shared workload with that sort of stuff, but some guys just naturally bring it. Um, someone who I've really enjoyed playing with this year at uh, Waratah level and who got rewarded with a, a call up into the squads, Lockie Swinton. So he's, um, he's a guy that's, uh, bordering on redlining all the time when it comes to game day. Um, it's hard to hold him in. Um, but you know, love playing with guys like that. I'm sure you would have felt the same, um, you know, everyone does it different. There's some chilled out guys and then there's guys like Lockie who are just, uh, you know, game day, it's on. Was there a classic Wallaby or a, or a player coming through that you really admired and 
not just modelled yourself on, but just enjoyed watching play the game? Uh, yeah, there is. There's a few guys. Um, I loved, I mean, my gen just grew up in the um, George Gregan, um, Sterling Mortlock era, you know, so that combination there was something that, um, you know, I loved watching. Um, and then, you know, around a similar time, but George Smith, um, so those three guys, obviously, all Brumbies there for for that period of time when I was growing up, and then successful Wallaby, super successful Wallaby teams. Um, those were the guys that uh, you know, and I think particularly George and and Bernie, um, then getting coached by Bernie, and um, you know, doing a lot of work with George later down the track. You know, it's it's all, it's been great, great for me, and um, you know, uh, awesome experience. Was there a piece of rugby advice that sticks out that helped you along your way the most? Um, there is, um, and it was from my mum. She always said it to me. She always just goes, soon, I mean, I now, knowing this, being around rugby a long time, it's a hard game. And she said to me way back in the day, I don't think, I wasn't even, didn't even know if I was professional at the time, but, um, you know, the day you stop enjoying it, stop. And I haven't found that yet, so I'm still going and, and I feel like I've got a lot more in me. So that's pretty good advice just for me because, you you got to want to, as you know, you got to want to play this game. It's a hard game, um, but, you know, the hard stuff is where the, a lot of the enjoyment comes from. Um, so, you know, I take that advice. Um, I think about that advice, not a lot, but I don't need to, but <laughs> um, it's there in the background for sure. You are a little bit of a mystery still. What do you, what do you really love to do to get away from the game when you have a day off? Uh, what do I love to do? I love to get to the beach. So you said Manly's always waiting there. Well, we do travel a bit, so... Um, it is always nice to get a surf in um, and, mate, like, I don't know, just be around be around the environment. Obviously, hang out with my wife and my dog. I like walking my dog around um, around the area and, um, you know, do the stuff that you can't do, just the little things I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of when I'm, be, when I'm at home. Is there a luxury food item you, you'd love to have a crack at when the coaches and the trainers aren't too worried about it? Oh, I love it. I love chocolate. I've always been massive on my chocolate. Um Milk or white chocolate's pretty good. I'm okay with dark, but it's a bit healthy. Um, and then you know, like um, I don't mind a good, good uh, KFC or or Macca's if I can get my hands on it. Um, but those days are few and far between, unfortunately. No, mate, mate, you can probably get away with that. Like some, I must say, KFC has been popular. What's your go-to KFC order? Because it's really important to know how committed you are to it. Uh, well, it, was, it used to be. Just oh well no I tell you what it is it's these days because you got to keep you know like you can't just go a family bucket or I can't well, so yeah <laughs> you can but it's frowned upon um, but mine would probably be a um, just a zinger burger with the wicked wings um, but it used to be probably a two piece or three piece feed so you get the gravy in there um, which is hard to go by. But that is a very popular order in this Wallaby squad. Every can be fights in the hallway if someone does Uber Eats while you're all in the hotel. Um, hey, yeah, that's, that's getting intercepted halfway through. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. probably a good thing. And chocolate connoisseur, you would straight up dairy milk. Is there a left field chocolate that you like? No, I'm, pr- I'm yeah, I'm pretty. Look, there's it's easier to name the ones I don't like. So, I'm not a massive bounty or cherry ripe guy. Um, aside from that, I'm, I'm pretty good to go. Mate, an easily pleased Wallaby captain. That's good to hear, mate. That's right. Um, mate, thanks for having a chat. It's really good to catch up with you. Appreciate you making the time. Can't wait to see you on the field in gold this year and with what's to come. Thanks for spending time with us, Hoops. Awesome, Morgs. Thanks for it. Cheers.
Mate, how about how about your four morgues? The only thing that gets a follow-up question is the food. That's the only one that gets a follow-up question. Your eyes light up when he mentions KFC, and then you follow up with a with a with a what sort of chocolate? What's your order? I could, I could, I was astounded that this body ripped, you know, um, object that doesn't stop moving, Mister Perpetual Motion on on the field, eats that rubbish. I was. I was disgusted by the lack of commitment from our Wallaby captain. Um, but it's good to know he's human like the rest of us. It was great, actually. I was impressed. I mean, he runs it off in the in the first couple of minutes of training too, so it's uh, yeah, it's good to see he's human. Mate, uh, i tell you what was good to see. It was good to see him smiling after that, uh, that Wallaby's going to have the All Blacks. He's been in an era when it's been a, a tough slog at times, particularly as a captain to lead those men around and to see blokes coming in and out of the team. Uh, and to see him get a bit of joy out of that game, uh, winning one uh, on home soil to finish off the uh, the four players was was excellent. Mate, look, that's that's going to wrap us up. Before we go, though, I just want to uh, pay tribute to uh, a great man of rugby in Australia, in Greg Ground. Greg uh, passed away uh, yesterday, uh, eight o'clock yesterday, last night. It would have been just after the Argentina Kiwi game, and I think I said on Twitter. You would never have seen anyone who'd be more ready to to upset some Kiwis uh, with some pros after that one. I worked. Uh, alongside, absolutely alongside, toured with him, sat next to him, uh, co-wrote plenty of articles. He was a great guy. He was a great guy. And he, what he was as a journo too, I know plenty of plenty of rugby fans out there loved him and plenty, plenty didn't like him, but it, all of them read him. Everybody read him. He was unmissable as a journo. The the politics, the the, the rumours, uh, the, the, the opinions, he took absolutely no bullshit from anyone. He was fearless as a journalist. And he was someone I learned a lot from when I started out in this game. When I first started to go, um, he's someone who gave me the confidence to be uh, to get involved, to get stuck in, to back yourself and to have a go. And he he absolutely epitomised that for decades. Uh, you talk about, you know, people influencing their field. He was one. I've seen the tributes coming in from around the globe from other journos who say exactly the same kind of thing. Morgs, yeah, you know, you, you knew what he was like. Yeah, I actually, he didn't really have a crack at me, so I was pretty happy with him, truthfully. But hey, you're right. It's funny. It's uh, you're pretty it's, Melbourne Cup tips, mate, probably. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> actually, he made me famous, actually. Um, the, uh, that was me, not him. That was it, yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah, the interesting point is one you talk about, where, you know, whether you're liked or not liked, it's whether you're read. And everyone in rugby yeah. on a Friday couldn't wait to either get the paper or get online with the Rugby Heaven Days and read Ruck and Mall. Who was going to be in Ruck and Mall and who was this week's source? And I suppose he goes to the grave without ever telling us who Radio is, who's Dirk Diggler, who's Pops McDonald, <laughs> all these great the characters. Wolfgang Wolfgang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just, you know, and, you know and obviously spent a lot of time, especially the generation before me, and I, I came along when he was still touring and that, and just just a part of the touring group. And it was interesting that, that some of the senior players of Wallaby teams were the first ones, John Ilses and Nick Farjones, to come out and say, you know, especially in the, the, the old school touring days, that he was part of the group. And, and, and that takes a, a special human being to be able to, Keep the distance required. That if you know, if if someone has a bad game, or if something happens, or if there's a story that needs to be to be written, then he then he wrote it, but still kept the human element and had relationships with players. And I think that's a uh, the mark of the man. And it's been great to see, as you mentioned, something that I wasn't really aware of at all. How much of a mentor he was to young journalists mm. coming through, uh, which, which was definitely behind closed doors. Yeah, mate, he, he was a great man and, and um, uh, lots of love to to the Groudon family who'd be doing it very tough uh, at the moment. He's a he's a big loss. Uh, Morgs, any closing thoughts otherwise, mate? We're heading to a, a Wallabies uh, game next week. Uh, how are you feeling? 
I'm excited. The Tri-Nations is on the line. If we can show that we're up to beating Argentina, well, we can win the Tri-Nations. Uh, this and <laughs> What a crazy 2020 it would be if we end up uh, losing the Bledisloe but winning the Tri-Nations in a year. We didn't know we'd get rugby in, in a year. We've ended up hosting the rugby. We've seen Argentina beat the All Blacks. Uh, the focus, as I said, for, for, for rugby definitely in, in Southern Hemisphere, but most of the world really with the Autumn Internationals going on as well, shifts to Newcastle of all places. Uh, Classic Wallabies, we've got a kids clinic there on Friday. Uh, Channel 10, I'll be up there with Channel 10. Uh, with the full crew doing the test match. So can't wait for a, a big 48 hours in Newcastle to see the Wallabies take on the Pumas. And it'll be obviously the journals will try and make a couple of stories about Czech coaching against the Wallabies and Murray being that. So it'll be a, a fun week uh, to, to read about rugby, to be excited about rugby, rugby in the pages and being talked about and watched. That's it, Morgs. Look, that is the Rugby Ruckers Type 5 today. Thank you so much to Hamish McLennan for coming on. It was excellent to hear from him. And as I said, he dropped a couple of good lines in there, but I'm sure we'll make the papers tomorrow because he always talks well. Uh, that is it for us. I'm going to just close off by saying that Greg Grad and I had a, an amazing amount of in-jokes that no one else would have got from years of writing together. So I'm just going to say, do, 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 before I go, that one's for Greg. See you later, Morgs. <laughs>